0: Will remind you that you're going to die five times a day, randomized times that are random to you. And you also get a quote that uh, someone we thought at least sounded wise said about death.
1: Welcome to the Cafe Truth Podcast. Join me, your host, Kevin, in exploring Stoic philosophy and how we can use it to create a more intentional life, free from excuses and self pity, even in the midst of challenges. I also chat with good friends and special guests on occasion to take on the mysteries of life using the lens of stoicism and other philosophies. Talking about everything from spirituality, entrepreneurship, digital nomadship, and much more. We do our best to make every episode thought-provoking and practical for everyday life. So stay tuned. Well, I'm really
2: excited to be joined by Hansa Bergwall and I'm going to ask, am I pronouncing that right, Hansa? Yeah, yeah. Or do you, pr- do you prefer?
0: Uh, exactly right, Hansa Bergwell.
2: Okay, all right, fantastic. Um, it's really a pleasure to, to have you on, and I was intrigued by the concept of your company and your app, which is called WeCroak. It's an app that sends daily reminders to its subscribers that effectively they're going to die. Sounds kind of like a creepy horror movie or something, but it's actually a very compelling and powerful tool, I would say. Once you kind of, once you start to open up to it, which is a reminder that you're going to die eventually, and and you know, as as a mentor that I always uh, appreciate, mentor teacher Byron Katie always says, nobody makes it out of this life alive, which I think is a really good reminder. Eventually, we're all going to die, uh, and nobody gets out of that. So this is, a, um, this is an app that basically can help you on your journey to live a better life, in my opinion, as I, as I begin to review uh, what it's all about and, and check things out. Welcome, Anza. I'm so happy to have you here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, you're exactly right. The WeCroke app, its core functionality is that it will remind you that you're going to die five times a day, randomized times that are random to you, and you also get a quote that uh, someone who we thought at least sounded wise said about death, anything from a stoic philosopher to a poet to a drag queen. We try to mix it up with all kinds of different people and voices, because after all, we're all going to die. No one gets out of this alive. So we think we should fill it with as many worthwhile perspectives as possible. And we started the app a few years ago because we wanted it on our phones as a way to stop us short make us take like a deep breath remember where we are and either maybe stop scrolling Instagram or Facebook or pat ourselves on the back because we're spending quality time with friends or family just a way of reclaiming our phones which have become such huge sources of distraction into you know just a small tool of getting us back on track Um, reminding us you know that time is short and precious to a degree we don't know how much uh any of us could die the next breath for all we know we usually you know carry a narrative on our heads that we can expect a few more decades or a long time but it's not really true and just to keep that in mind that life is short and precious and rare and special and we want to use it well and uh we put it out there in the world mostly for our friends and family but lo and behold it cut off and you know now i think over 150,000 people uh have downloaded it tens of thousands of people use it daily and uh it's been the honor of a lifetime to introduce people to all of the different death uh mindfulness tools of which there are so many including you know from stoicism i think i once tried to count the amount of times marcus aurelius does like a death meditation and and uh meditations and <laughs> i've never finished the count because it was so many times and yeah it's it's it almost feels like you can't do it too much or at least I haven't gotten tired of it yet, and I've been doing it daily for a few years.
2: Okay, great. Thank you for that. That's really interesting to hear. Uh, I have been exposed to probably both worlds as I was reading up on some of the articles about your app. There is obviously the Stoic piece, which I'm excited to get into, and I have a few questions about how you think it relates to some of the Stoic philosophy aspects. But also, uh, there's a number of, it seems like a Buddhist connection here, and as I was reading, there is a connection to Bhutan and a Bhutanese kind of quote, if not, a piece of wisdom that you should be you know, focusing on death five times a day, which I thought was intriguing. Can you tell me more about that? What? How did that all come about? And how did you even get started with this whole thing?
0: Yeah, so I'm a daily meditator and have been for a long time now. So, of course, some of the experts about that are buddhist sages from centuries past as well as teachers today so reading a lot which is something that i tend to do and i kept coming across this idea of death meditations everything from charnel grounds which is literally meditating daily over dead bodies that are left out and seeing them rot because funerary practices in some of these himalayan nations included like leaving bodies out to the elements as like the traditional uh putting them to rest so people would go and meditate there to deep, you know, meditations, many of which I've tried now, such as meditations where you imagine that every breath you take is your last. You know, you sit there, slow down your breathing, really try to bring to mind that it could be. And I've done that. And it's it's really powerful because uh, it's true. But then I came across um, the Bhutanese folk saying in some of my research that just says, if you want to be a happy person, uh, contemplate your mortality five times a day and I loved, one, how simple it was, and two, it just felt, you know, being a creature of the 21st century programmable, like, oh, yeah, five times a day. I can do that. It's actually really hard to remember to do it throughout the day without some kind of reminder, though, which I figured out pretty quickly. And so that's where the idea of the app came to kind of remind me to, you know, do it. And I wanted it to have like a magic eight ball feel where I was never quite sure when it would interrupt me, so I couldn't plan for it. It would just sort of catch me, whether I was ready to, like, meet my doom or not. Just kind of like death. We never know when we're going to die, so good to know. Like, you know, if it could happen any time and these notifications are uh, interrupting you when you're wasting time being angry about someone being wrong on the internet or doing exactly what you meant to do that day, you you start to notice that. And uh, so I like that idea of it just being interspersed throughout the day, out of my control a little bit of, when I would think about it for a minute. And what I found was different from some of the other death meditations is it just becomes a part of how you live your daily life. To do it five times a day is... It just becomes a part of how you work, a part of how you socialize, how you keep friends, how you remember to call your parents or don't remember, how you um, uh, rush your walk with your dog or make sure to wake up a little bit early and take that longer walk to the park and throw the frisbee. You just... You start to try to turn away when it catches you from the things that feel like they're far away from your values or are making you unhappy or upset with yourself and toward the things that really feel good, which is different from sitting down for a long meditation and having perhaps an incredible ecstatic experience where you glimpse the deep truths of the universe, but then you can't really hold on to it. And then a month or two go by and you don't really think about it again. So I really liked that particular form, the Bhutanese formulation for happiness of, or at least one of them of, uh, you know, just making it part of daily life, making it mundane, uh, making it, you know, as natural as death really is because it happens every day to all kinds of people. And it should be part of our, our personal philosophy. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? How are we going to live before we die?
2: Yeah, that's so, that's so true. And it's, Having studied and back in, my old, in the old days, I actually began my kind of spiritual journey or personal growth journey in, in Tibetan Buddhism, which is not too dissimilar to that whole region of the world near the Himalayas, the, the Bhutanese style of Buddhism and some of the other traditions around there. And I remember one thing that always struck me, I, I used to uh, volunteer at, at, at the museums of San Francisco when I was growing up, and one of them was the Asian Arts Museum, and I remember coming across a display of a human skull that had been decorated beautifully, decorated with silver or gold, I believe, and made into a, tea, a teapot, which the monks would drink out of. I'm sure, ceremonially, to to not forget that this was someone, this was someone's head that you're drinking out of. And this was this was a person who had a life; they had a family, probably, or they had maybe they were another monk. But they had their dreams, they had their hopes, they had their practices, and this person is no longer. It's it's an extremely powerful way to not forget how precious life is in many ways. Have you, by any chance, explored much of the Tibetan Book of the Dead at all?
0: I have not explored that much of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, I want to... Just talk a little bit about
1: that so i just want to spend a minute obviously reviews are the lifeblood of a podcast in terms of spreading the word helping people find that podcast and making people willing to listen so i would so appreciated if you, the listener, would be willing to spend a minute just leaving a quick review, a positive review for us, either on Apple Podcasts, or if you're Android, maybe something like Podcast Addict, or whatever particular uh, app that you like that allows reviews. That would be super helpful for us. I'm, I'm somebody, I can just tell you, I'm somebody who, I don't like to leave reviews for apps or podcasts very much. It's just, I'm really busy. It's, it's, so much going on. So I get it. I'm, I'm guilty of, of not doing what I'm asking you to do. But one thing that helps me and I'm hoping something that will motivate you is if there's an incentive, I'm willing to do it. And so if you're listening to this podcast episode and within one month of listening to this particular episode, you are willing to leave us a review. I will send back to you uh, a gift certificate for a free coffee on me free coffee tea whatever you like to drink um for a starbucks if you're in the u.s or the uk or something like that where there's starbucks if you're not in the u.s um uh, we'll figure something out. I'll buy a coffee for you one way or another. I'll get that that uh, $5 gift certificate in some form so that you can go get a coffee on me. Send me an email at kevin at cafe-truth.com. That's my email. Just um, tell me the episode that you heard this on and tell me um, where you left the review so I can go check it. And again, I'll send you back a uh, gift certificate for a coffee. If send me that email within one month of hearing the episode that you mentioned. Now one way I've made it really easy to leave a review is simply by going to the following URL. Rate this podcast. All one word, ratethispodcast.com forward slash cafe truth one word so rate this podcast.com that's all one word forward slash cafe truth so again if you're willing to put that review out there you send me an email at kevin at cafe truth.com i will send back to you that five dollar starbucks gift card so you can get a coffee on me and i'd so appreciate your support and helping spread the word about this podcast
0: Skull teapot. Because if you go to any museum in the world, just about, I'm far from the first person to think of a cool way to remind you of death. Like both in the traditions of the East and the West, there's just so much art and thought coming up with really cool reminders because these ideas of Mori were really strong in both the East and the West and Western philosophical and religious traditions. All throughout the Buddhist world, as we were uh, just discussing. And Then also uh, in the West, you know, you can go see Hans Alban woodcuts of all these like skeletons interrupting people who are rich or lawyers or labormen, and creating beautiful art of that moment of death. Uh, Oil paintings with a skull next to like the beautiful fruit bowl or something like that. It's just it's really everywhere once you start looking for it. And so much creativity and um, ideas have gone into that. And one of the things that at least for me that has really kind of been that i love about death reminder practice is it creates this universal cuz we're all going to to die and it creates a lot of empathy uh even kindness toward all people when you bring that to mind it's one of the things that i really love that they talk about but that kind of ends once you start talking about afterlife you know as soon as we start dividing into our very separate traditions of, are we going to heaven or are we going into the world of uh, the Tibetan book of the dead and sort of a reincarnation story? Are we nothing? Uh, (laughs) You know, in the atheism response. And I think all of those traditions actually have a ton of value and are really great to explore within, you know, your own faith group or philosophical group of any kind. But you know, I I mostly feel like it's too big a question for me. Like I really love that moment of death, universal kind of thing. And then once it comes into questions of afterlife, I I just have no idea. You know, you can interview me again after I'm dead.
2: (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We don't. We have a lot of theory as humans about what's after death, assuming there is such a thing, but uh, very little data on that. <laughs> very, little, uh, very little science that we can point to and a lot more hearsay and a lot of strong opinions, right? Whereas death is a very practical thing. And I think that's one thing that I appreciate a lot about stoicism in itself is, is it is very, even despite coming up in an era thousands of years ago where there was a lot of mythology with Roman gods and Greek gods and stuff like that, it's still quite clean as a way of thinking from a lot of mythology. It just kind of sticks to the facts, sticks to what we can... And that's probably why it's still very relatable, because it's hard to relate to you know, Jupiter and stuff like that as watching over me, but it's very easy to relate to the fact that we're, uh, the life is short. I have a few kind of quotes from, from Stoicism. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, because there's a couple different takes on contemplating your death. One from Epictetus, I cannot escape death... But at least I can escape the fear of it, and then another from Marcus Aurelius. It is not death that a man should fear, but rather he should fear never beginning to live. And so, when it comes to like the fear of death, having started this project, how has that shifted for you over the years, if at all? And and was that uh was that something on your mind before, and 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 do you still look at that every day?
0: Yeah, well, it's a really good question, and you know I still have that natural aversion to death. You know, like if a bus is barreling down the street, am I going to jump back? Absolutely. I want another precious day. And yet there's this feeling of always looking at, this could be the last day. How am I going to make it count? Just that reality of things can change in an instant. I could get sick. I could you know, have a very different kind of life very soon or I could die. So how am I going to make the most of this day that I do have? And constantly thinking about that does a few things. And I think there's a few delusions that happen when we're too afraid of death to even think about it. The first one is we forget about impermanence and change. You know, if you're really depressed or in a really bad way, one of the worst delusions you can have is like thinking like it's always going to be this way. And death meditation practice one of the things that it does is it reminds you that it can all change in an instant and that's that's actually a very useful reminder whenever we're feeling down another one is we tend to get stuck in ruts because they feel safe some job that's maybe crushing our soul or relationship or i don't know community you know conversation you need to have like there's so many ways in which You know, we can let years go by without making changes that maybe we know we should, but we're comfortable or too afraid. And when you're daily thinking that, hey, today could be my last day, it creates a lot of urgency to make the big changes that some of us, all of us really have to make sometimes in our life just to be adults and say, I'm going to pull the Band-Aid off and it's going to hurt, but I could die tomorrow tomorrow. Uh, And I don't want it to be here, you know, and that is a contrast with a lot of the meditative techniques which have really caught on in America, which are breath meditations or body scans, which are really great at relaxing the body. And unfortunately, that also makes them really great at staying at like a 70 hour a week job that isn't particularly soulful or good for you. But, you know, you can avoid burnout much longer if you're meditating half an hour a day, um, which is awful. I think a lot of people you know, can use these mindfulness tools for to withstand situations that they don't actually have to be in and that aren't good for them. And whereas with the death meditation, you can really unlock yourself much more quickly uh, with more urgency from those places. And so I feel like before I started doing it, I had been in like a series of ruts and I'm much, much more easily to spot them and get myself out of them more quickly. And I really appreciate that a lot about this kind of work in particular.
2: That's cool. I can relate to what you're saying about some of the typical meditation styles, especially in the U.S., uh, if not other places that have adopted meditation into their culture uh, versus cultures that have had meditation for thousands of years, especially uh, in in maybe a Buddhist style or something like that it's you know it's it's difficult because you can be in a medita- you can be meditating and um, one of the biggest things people have to deal with is just the monkey mind flashing images throughout you know throughout the mind I deal with this um, when I sit down to meditate and it's like you say if you're working a 70 hour week you're gonna sit down and meditate and most likely even if even as this is a regular practice you're gonna be flashed with a bunch of things that you didn't do today instead of really contemplate you know, it takes for me it takes about two solid good hours to finally start of just sitting there, to finally start to get clear of all these thoughts and then I might have a chance of getting into the bigger, deeper essence of who am I? What is this? What's this all about? Am I even real? But it it takes at least two hours to get there, and which is not exactly practical, it's not something that I can do very often. Whereas death the contemplation of death does certainly get your attention really quickly. It just brings your, because it's such a powerful and, to the ego, scary notion, it really brings your attention right to to the good stuff, to the juicy stuff, quite quickly. So I can see when you're talking, yeah, this is actually a very, very powerful way of meditating as well. You know, a lot of people, <laughs> I've known hundreds if not thousands of meditators over my life, very few of them have gone this direction though right into death and and maybe having heard things about death from the buddhist uh you know a buddhist folklore or a buddhist piece of wisdom as i say they might say that's nice but what was it about you that you think made you catch on to this because a lot of people probably heard that that same suggestion to, to contemplate death five times a day or contemplate your death at all and said, yeah, maybe, down, maybe I will down the road. Was there anything personally? Was there anything kind of unique about your experience that you think made you a good candidate for this?
0: Yeah. Well, I lost my mother to an aneurysm when I was 11. So that's a sudden brain injury. Very like, There's no um, warning, basically. So I went to sleep one night, uh, woke up the next day. My dad was crying at the foot of my bed. She was dead. So it was very much that thing that they talk about in these deep philosophical sources when they remind you, Life can change in an instant. Anyone could die at any time, so there was a part of me that always sort of knew that was true, and got very frustrated with um, a twenty, you know, first century, or you know, America where people are very death phobic. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to be around it, and it just felt very false to me. So I think the first times I sort of encountered it, both and stoicism and buddhism as like a proactive mindfulness tool it had my attention right away because i had experienced that like the truth of what they were saying of hey you could die this very instant let that direct what you do what you say what you think don't be afraid of death be afraid of not living today be afraid of being unnecessarily cruel or unkind to someone you love (laughs) be afraid of uh Uh, getting stuck in a rut or, you know, spending your whole day working on something you don't care about because this, this felt very real to me. And so it felt almost like, because I had already in a very unpleasant way, tasted that truth of death is real. It can happen anytime that encountering it framed as looking at this often proactively can help make you happy, make you sane, put your feet on the ground felt like a relief that Um, A lot of people who go through really hard grief experiences in our society, uh, one of the things that makes it harder is, one, people feel so weird and awkward about it that you end up getting shunned by family, friends, things like that. People don't know what to say, so they get scarce. I experienced that when I was 11, and I hear from people all the time that it's happening to them. So when you're doing this work after grief, It reminds you that all these people who maybe you're angry at for abandoning you or this or that, um, they're all going to go through it, too. You know, everyone loses everyone and everything in the end. So, you know, people who are afraid of facing that loss, um, they're just delaying the inevitable. Whereas we can be adults and face it now in a more rational and sane way. And it's actually very helpful to be like, okay, actually, I need to send that person you know, some kindness, some, some compassion, because they're not really ready to be an adult on this issue yet and just face it for what it is. And, you know, the other part of it that felt like a relief was that, uh, you know, none of us are alone in this, that we get to do this together and we get to define, you know, our lives sort of as we want to because of because of death. I feel like there's a very big liberating aspect to death meditations and that if you have that forefront of mind that this could be your last day this could be your last year you're willing to live more courageously more bravely not necessarily conform to what your your friends your family your community wants but you know what you really value and hold dear and that's that's a really powerful thing for letting go of all the ideas structures things that no longer serve you you can really strike out and be whoever you want to be that's up to each person i think so So, yeah, that personal story definitely drew me to it. And then I really like practical philosophies or tools that I can try and sort of figure out like, oh, how does this change my day to day existence? And, you know, death work is some of the fastest acting and most powerful that you can do. Uh, Just like you said, you know, it can be really hard to sit and sort of do breath meditation, especially without much experience. The monkey mind just takes over you can spend one minute and do a contemplation of death and maybe get closer to a cherished value that you have you know which is which is a big thing and i i really um i really treasure these sort of especially in the modern world where there are so many distractions so many demands on our time these sort of fast acting uh rituals and things that we can do to sort of bring us to ourselves um the first tool we put into WeCroak app is of course death Notifications with quotes. We actually built a second one uh, into the at least the iOS you know version of the app. We're building it out in the other one too, and the sort of Leap monthly membership, which is a daily review, very stoic style. It just reminds you in the evening do your daily review. You select some guiding statements, and then you just toggle yes if you lived up to it. Like mine says, did you meditate today? Were you kind to someone? quality time with friends or family and I just sort of hit it like really simple things like yes or no and it just it's a really nice way of reminding myself like this is very rare and precious day did I live up to it yeah and the thing I like about the stoic style daily reviews is it's it's about one figuring out what your cherished values are then holding yourself accountable to them every day in the light of you know your days are rare and precious, so make the most of them. And as I've been using it these last few years, that's why I wanted to turn it as part of the app as I was doing it on pencil and paper. It's just really easy to forget that way. What I noticed with that one is that if you don't have some system of holding yourself accountable to whatever it is you care about and measuring it yourself, you're going to end up valuing yourself some other way, usually by you know just ideas that other people have, like how productive your boss thinks you are. Or how uh, good you are in the eyes of, like, your parents. And they might have different values than you. Or similar. Or, you know, you just end up giving that measuring stick to somebody else who, you know, might want you to have a certain, like, great body. Or, you know, have be rich. Or, you know, all these sorts of things that you may not be. And if you actually think about, what do I care about? And measure yourself. Did I live up to that? You start feeling good about yourself for what you care about rather than all these sort of standards that get thrown at us from literally everywhere, Uh, every piece of the Internet, communities, families, jobs, all those sorts of things.
2: There's so much there to unpack, and I appreciate you, really appreciate you sharing your, your personal experience. I think that a lot of us who are drawn to these existential questions and even some of the different philosophies that actually are willing to meet them have our own experiences. I know uh, for me, I I may have mentioned this on the podcast, but I I was very close to death at the age of seventeen. I remember being in the hospital. I probably had I'm guessing, no, knowing my condition, maybe twelve hours left to live before my body was my, my, my organs were shutting down. It was very painful, but strangely enough, at the at the peak of this agony, physically, there was an immense peace within and I remember just looking up and feeling a complete letting go of this earthly body and earthly experience and just a being completely drawn to death and it, it just it, it became a, a catalyst of course you can't go through something like that and not want to figure stuff out and, and so I appreciate you sharing your experience with, with us about, about your mother it's very powerful you know um, in terms of the stoics that so, you know there's a quote again another quote by Marcus Lewis, Let, each thing you do, each thing you would do, say, or intend be like that of a dying person, or just other quotes about making sure to live each day as if you were going to die. What would, what would, if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do with today? And you mentioned a few of those things about people who get stuck in ruts, people who get comfortable. Can you talk about anything that, since beginning this practice, you shifted in your life? It doesn't have to be dramatic, but what kind of things have you done to shift? that and move away from the comfortable to appreciating how precious each moment is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot, actually. <laughs> First of all, I'll start with kind of the mundane things is one really interesting exercise you can do is like open up your phone and just like add up by the year or something like how much different apps you're in. are uh, cause they, they usually give you like how much time you're spending in them and just be like, am I OK with that? Like, am I okay of like being on Facebook or Instagram for 10 days this year of total hours or like whatever crazy thing it is? So one thing I've done is just delete things from my life, you know, edit much more, much more than I did before. I don't have Instagram on my phone or Facebook or all these different apps that could be a problem uh, for me at least. And we all have our own sort of things like that. So just that daily upkeep of, hey, I, like I'm spending... Time I could have devoted to something I actually care about in these sort of distraction places. So I'm going to be a little bit more careful about guarding the most precious thing I have if I'm looking at it from death, which is my time. Um, I think there are some other ones that, you know, were really, really big and might not look as big from the outside. But I think I'm a much better husband than I was when I started. Um, I can think of a few times of like I was literally in the middle of a fight with with my husband and I'm, you know, getting this notification like you're going to die. And all of a sudden you're like, what am I doing? Like, Do I even care that much about being right in this instance? Actually, no. (laughs) And, you know, it's turned some fights into laughter or some ability to sort of let things go to move toward peace a little bit quicker to apologize faster, to really look at yourself, um, be like, hold on, someone I really care about is upset with me. Let's be an adult, do a full inventory of like, you know, my side of it, own up to it, that kind of thing. So just a real desire to live up to my own standards of myself and my relationships around me has been a big focus and it's, it's transformed a lot of my relationships, honestly, and I'm really happy about that. And then there are, you know, the the other things of like letting myself play and like have time to write or I picked up a hobby playing Dungeons and Dragons in the last couple of years. Why? I wanted to do something silly with my friends and ended up being like the most fun thing to do during the pandemic over Zoom for like huge hours at a time in like a fantasy life. And, you know, just be willing to be more of like a kid again, if that makes sense, of just like, hey, I want to like, enjoy life, spend time with friends, do, do things that make me happy and not worry about whether they look good or are cool or are productive or all these other things that I might have been over-disciplined before. You know, one of the things I, I say when I talk about my relationship with Stoicism is I really love the sort of sweet and soft side of it, like Stoic friendship. And the sort of emphasis on like having really good friends who you can talk about your values with and philosophies with uh, and spend time with and like have like not a lavish meal, but a nice meal with and like take time to really eat it and enjoy it, exercise and feel good in your body. You know, all these sort of little things that make life just a little bit better. Like being like, oh, yeah, uh, I can bake my own bread and it's expensive. It's, inexpensive, it's not hard if you're around the house, it's fun to share with people when they come in, like things like that really kind of took off, like these sort of simple pleasures of a moderate life taking on sort of a greater enjoyment and centrality in life was a big one. And you know, at least so far, you know, Monday I might get the ambition bug and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, I've I've worked for myself <laughs> the entire time since then. Uh, the cook app stuff, some consulting, different things like that, and like a marketing perspective and been very happy with that kind of like simple life.
2: Thank you. That's really, uh, that's beautiful. All that stuff is something I think we forget, especially in high productive countries and places where it, you can lose yourself, like you said earlier in the 70 hour work week, believing that that's all, that that's meaningful in and of itself, or even just the idea of, being caught in the middle of a fight and questioning whether you you know there's there's a moment where our ego just wants to win at all costs just to, just to not be wrong or just to be right forgetting the bigger picture so that's really powerful i want to yeah go ahead
0: oh, i was just going to say that one of the things both buddhism and stoicism are in absolute agreement on the danger of anger just in like creating delusions mm-hmm. you know anytime you're angry like stop <laughs> Take a few deep breaths, figure out what's really important to you, because the chances of really getting off your values are so high. I mean, of course, there's plenty of righteous reasons to get angry, but it really can cloud our vision so quickly and get us off track from being the people we want to be. And I think it's I think it's a really important issue of like, do you have everyone's going to have anger? At least I think most people Uh, do you have a few tools for pulling back? into that bird's eye view of life and what you really care about in the middle of it. And thinking about death is actually really effective for maybe not making the anger disappear, but sort of maybe rising above it a little bit and seeing the bigger picture so that you can start to navigate your way with what you really care about
2: in a moment of anger. Well said. Yeah. I I think you're even pointing to this notion that especially when it's anger at another, it really has a, ability to pull you back like you said, pull you off your tracks. Now of course there's anger there is some elements of anger that can be used powerfully. There's anger there's there is certainly energy in anger and if it's used sort of as a as a shift or a catalyst within one's life to help make changes because you're angry at your situation, that's great. You know that can be powerful. But but certainly a lot of the anger that we, we have in our life is, is drama related and just energy depleting and, and doesn't help us in any way. So death, thinking about it again, one's death really does wake someone up again, I, th- I think this is really, again, the pattern I'm kind of seeing is this, the power of death to wake you up from maybe some unconscious activities and patterns and behaviors. Getting to the app, because I think it's, you know, we've talked about the importance of this app. It reminds me very much when I, I was spent a little bit of time in Thailand in the um, island area, and having gone to Thailand, I assumed the whole place, the whole country, was Buddhist. But actually, the southern areas are quite often uh, Muslim. And um, so, I remember spending a, a few weeks on this beautiful island, uh, very rural, and there would be, as often in Muslim countries, there'd be a big, you know, loudspeaker on the top of a pole every mile or two, and every uh, five times a day, you'd get the, the call for prayers. And it was extremely beautiful to hear because it was a good reminder for me, oh wait, here I am, what am I doing? Let me let me take advantage of this. I'm not uh, Muslim myself, but <laughs> so I'm not Muslim myself uh, Muslim myself, but I, I can take advantage of this opportunity to go within. And I think that one thing that Islam figured out a long time ago was let's figure out how to make this, as you said earlier something that's reliable and consistent and sort of a process. Let's have prayer five times a day and let's all do it together so that we don't forget and that we don't get relaxed and, and just sit on our laurels. Let's let's work together. And, and this is a technology that arose, this uh, this notion of five times a day prayer over a thousand years ago. And now with this modern world, we have these amazing devices that we can sort of have a similar effect, but few of us have thought about an idea like this, but this to me is, is sort of an effectively uh, a similar thing is you have a, a, a call to prayer or a call to meditation or a call to, to looking within five times a day. How, I guess my overall question is, what's been the response of, of your typical user? What When you think about a typical user, can you paint a little bit of a picture of who they might be? Of course, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of different variation there, but who's your typical user and why do they find Croak so useful in general?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's actually a quote from uh, Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher <laughs> from Denmark, and uh, he said that you know, if you lose, more or less, he said that if you lose your keys or your wallet or your girlfriend or whatever, you're going to know it. But the danger is if you lose yourself, if you get distracted if you get caught up in something usually you don't know it by definition you're off track or something like that and so those ways of frequent reminders interspersed through normal life i think it's it's an important technology as you said that of course other people had figured out such as the muslim call to prayer five times a day or other ways of just how do you come back to yourself frequently throughout the day because you can lose yourself very quickly and you won't know it and honestly those are the most common kinds of stories that we hear it's just like i'm like people coming and saying hey i was having a fear with public speaking and it was really debilitating i couldn't like do my sales presentations or whatever i needed to do my job and earn a livelihood and when i started doing this it was like oh That fear looks pretty small and puny next to I'm going to die. And they found a little bit of courage and did it. Really interesting stuff around death and courage, actually. Uh, Samurai did death meditations every morning about like being uh, pierced by arrows and swords in battle so that in a battle they wouldn't freeze. Kind of interesting stuff. So things having to do with like little pieces of courage to get unfrozen with life is one of the most common ones of like shoot your shot at whatever it is, talk to someone, make a friend, ask someone out, you know, ask for that raise at work, quit your job, take that risk, you know, stand up for yourself, things like that. Uh, Especially younger users tend to have stories like along those lines. Then we get a lot of people who are either Buddhists or Stoics and have like a personal philosophy sort of life that already has some death meditation. So they're using it to work on their mindfulness, their sort of trying to create a more reality-based life or live well, and they really enjoy it because it just reminds them of a practice that they already have going on, and that sort of deepens that practice. So we get a lot of people like that. We get a lot of people who use it for grief, honestly, which surprised me a lot, uh, but made sense when I thought about my own experiences with grief and why I was attracted to some of this work of just remembering that we haven't been singled out for suffering or for loss. You know, if we lost a parent, lost a child, lost someone important to us that we're not cosmically unlucky or unfavored or have bad karma or whatever, you know, BS people say to sort of make up stories of why some people suffer and others don't. We all suffer. We all lose everyone and everything. And remembering that can be actually really, really helpful to people going through a grief experience to sort of process it and contextualize that, you know, that is life and that, that's been pretty remarkable i had one guy reach out to me who um you know said he had just lost six friends in the opioid epidemic you know sometimes people are just going through really hard things and like plagues of all kinds are sweeping through different communities and it it was helping him uh a lot he said to process sort of what that meant for his life So those are sort of three main ones. As far as age, we get a a lot of young people. Also, people in their 90s who are using it, which uh, is kind of amazing. And yeah, uh, if you're using it, reach out. I love hearing from people. Um, It's sort of of amazing. We have been downloaded in, I think, just about every country on Earth now. So it's kind of fun to kind of see that. People reach out from all over the world relating it to practices and Uh, Christianity, Islam, Taoism, or like almost anywhere you look, if you dig deep enough, there's some really interesting and cool Momentum Mori style death practices that people find and really cherish and, and relate to. And I try to make sure that I include at least some of that in the quotes coming through the app as well. Just different voices from all different perspectives.
2: That's really cool. I imagine COVID had an impact, but I don't know. I'm curious how. And uh, just the fact that so many people have experienced loss over the past uh, year and a half, or year, almost, yeah, about a year and a half now, uh, all over the world. What's been the response uh, to, to the app? And have you seen any effects, you know, affecting the downloads or the adoption of it?
0: Yeah. Amazingly enough, we've kept growing over the pandemic year. And I mean, when we started this in 2017, people thought we were being kind of absurd. You know, we croak internet kind of thing, like thinking about death often, like that it was something that young people have to have to think about or anyone. And we we're like, no, really, you do. I mean, obviously you do. But after 2020, I think people stopped thinking it was so absurd, if that makes sense. People were like, right, things can change in an instant. Yes, they can. Things can get bad in an instant. Uh, 600,000 dead just in America. Like death can happen at any time for many people who were not expecting it. Life is precious. Life is fragile. You know, we are breakable creatures, fragile machines that doesn't take much sometimes. You know, breathing indoor air with people can be enough. And, you know, I think I definitely heard from users who were like, you know, pandemic of reading about death every day in the newspaper and this practice is too much. And other ones that were like, actually, no, this is exactly what I needed to remind me that this is actually not special. People have dealt with pandemics for millions of years. actually, the you know exception were the last you know several decades where we thought we were immune from you know historic disease, and you know I can have resilience, I can think about all these sort of perspectives on this from before and and I think that's great uh you know i I don't mind at all if people want to like not. Like they're getting enough death reminders from the news or from from life. That's fine. But, you know, sometimes it feels a little bit different how it's framed in a newspaper where it feels like avoidant or the sky is falling down. And as opposed to, you know, when you're looking at it from a mindfulness tool perspective of like, right, things are changing in the instant, just like I always practiced for using this tool. I'm fragile and there's a new thing that can break my body out there. I better take precautions, hope for the best, and live my life well and in this new circumstance, meeting change and impermanence as it comes. So I found myself leaning on it more during the pandemic, honestly. A lot more time alone, a lot more time to dig into my reading or try some of the bigger death meditations I'd been interested in or things like that. And and it helped. You know, it helped me to contextualize it in that. Just the whole idea of not being special—that this has happened to countless people before and will again—and we have the resilience inside us to meet life as it comes.
2: Yeah, I think that I can see it being hugely beneficial. Just thinking about it for dealing with the pandemic, and I—I I actually, you know, it'd be interesting to um, to do like a little bit of research on that or a survey, and and uh, maybe survey some people who have been using it before the pandemic in your community. Contrasting that to people outside who have not been, and just kind of I'd be curious to see like what what their experience of COVID was like, having already prepped themselves with with an app like yours beforehand. If when I heard about your app, my reaction I think probably similar to a lot of people was just like that's preposterous. Um, do I really want to be thinking about death when I don't have to, or when I I believe I don't have to? And but as you get into it, and I'm hopefully those who have listened through this interview if there's someone who has listened to this and doesn't see the value of this I'd be very surprised um, at least see the value if not you know it's kind of a no-brainer I and mean, why not check this app out what can you tell us about how do you sign up what's the current uh, cost and um, where can they find where can people find the app in general?
0: So if you pick up your mobile phone, you can download the WeekRook app for free from your app store, whether you have iOS or uh, Android. If you have iOS, there's also like a membership thing that will have the daily review, some weekly sort of challenges that are usually like a death meditation or exercise taken from somewhere that you can try uh, and some things like that. So that's the cool sort of uh, extra kind of stuff if you are on that platform. And then if... You know, death reminders tons of times a day isn't your style. There is also a Week Croak podcast you can listen to. I interview a lot of Buddhists, Stoics, palliative care doctors who've written books, things like that. The topic really is death and all the other things we don't talk about enough. And that's sort of we're trying to dig into things that we usually have aversion to thinking about. is sort of the th- theme we're trying to reach for. So that's another great place to go if you'd rather have long form conversations on these topics. Uh and that's that's kind of what we have in the WeCroak platform right now. You can also go to our website and see what we're doing there, uh, www.wecroak.com.
2: All right. Well, there it is. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. If you're listening to this, check out that app. And I'm, I know I'm going to do it. I, uh, I've checked it all out already, but I think subscribing would be a good idea because I like this idea of a review. So, um, and that's also going to the Android side of things, too, you say?
0: Yeah. Hopefully, in the next few months, we'll have it for Android as well.
2: Exciting. All right. Well, uh, Hansa, this has been a really enlightening conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and and telling us about the app and, and your experiences with it.
0: Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here.
2: All right.
1: That's the end of our show. Hopefully you found this discussion interesting. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We have a good time with these discussions, we enjoy them, but they do take a lot of work outside of our normal everyday responsibilities. So one thing you can do, if you really, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to hear more of it, you want us to keep doing this, go into your podcast app, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you like to use, click on that rate and review link or button and leave us a positive review. Leave us what you like about the show. And let others know about the show. It really will help spread the word and continues to help us feel motivated to, to keep doing these and putting these out there. So we, we do this just because we love it. We'd really appreciate your support. And if you have any interesting topics you'd like us to cover, send us an email. I'm at Kevin at Cafetruth.com. And you can reach Steve at steve at cafetruth.com. Thanks so much.